everyone, and welcome to the Friday edition of the Dark to Light podcast with Beans. Today we have a very special guest on the show. I just did my little pre-show-ish live stream intro about this. Um, just a quick recap for those of you listening on audio only. Dr. Ken Berry is our guest today. He is a uh, proponent of what now he calls the proper human diet. Uh, many of you have been um, startled to see my husband's transformation over the past eight nine months or so since January when he decided to take control of his health and change everything about our lives by doing so. Um, again, just a quick recap. So far, I think as of today, he's actually now down 117 pounds. He is healthy as ever. He has reversed his clinical depression. He has um, caused his body to begin to heal itself from MS. He is full of energy and he is inspirational. I have been doing keto uh, carnivore too. We started off keto, but we went carnivore. I have not noticed the drastic weight loss that he has, obviously, um, but I have lost weight and then I've maintained. My skin is healthy. My nails are healthy. My hair is healthy. I have so much energy. I have mental clarity, things that I haven't had in a really long time. So a little bit longer of a show today. We're going to go a little long, but I hope you guys enjoy everything about this. Here is my interview with Dr. Ken Berry. Good afternoon, everyone. I am so excited and blessed to be here with Dr. Ken Berry today. Um, you are a board certified physician, which in days past, people would have, you know, been like, oh, that's great. But now since COVID, everything's changed and that doesn't mean much anymore. What what matters to people is is staying healthy without the benefit of pharmaceutical drugs and really focusing on wellness. Um, and I, I, I want to do this a little differently. I'm going to give you the floor to tell people about yourself and your story and where you came from. And then I'll tell a story of how I found you and then we'll get on from there. Sound good? Yeah, it sounds great. I need to correct something you said. Uh, I'm no longer board certified and I'm also no longer a fellow in the American Academy of Family Physicians because <laughs> the studying you have to do, you have to retake the boards every few years and the studying that you have to do, it's literally a, a pharmaceutical infomercial. It's a badge of honor. So, yeah, I've let my board certification lapse because it occurred to me when I was a very young physician, I thought that that being board certified, that would help my patients and being a fellow in the American Academy would help my patients. And I thought my prescription pad would help my patients, right? I thought that was my three big guns. And what I've come to realize after over 20 years of clinical practice is that those things don't help my patients at all. What helps my patients is helping is me helping them understand what foods to eat and what foods to avoid. That strategy alone is a thousand times more powerful than being board certified or a fellow in the academy. All that stuff's a bunch of crap when it comes to the end of the day. It's just something to impress other doctors with. I love and I have no interest in impressing other doctors. What I have an interest in is helping millions of people reverse their metabolic disease. And you have. So the reason why I found you is through my husband. A lot of people have seen and heard this already, but our lives have changed in ways that I could never explain to anybody unless they lived it with us. I mean, he has gone from, you know, clinical depression to mental wellness. Wellness, like I've never experienced in the 20 years I've known him. It's been amazing to see. Off of all meds completely, it's been 
a breath of fresh air. He's gone from, you know, having MS and that being a problem for him to lesions shrinking, even though the docs won't tell him that that's, that's actually yep. healing. You know what I mean? Because they won't. Um, he's mm-hmm. gone from, from, you know, I think it was 380 pounds to now he's lost 117 pounds in, since January. And he's done that all by listening and learning from you. Um, and so you're a hero in my house, like a hero. Uh, it, it's, you know, everybody's happier. Um, I'm also on the carnivore diet, so I've noticed benefits as well. Uh, but I want to get into how did you figure this out? And then how does it work? Why does it work? I know that everybody knows food is poison at this point, but explain to us how and why. Yeah. So I am a classically trained allopathic physician. I went to a state medical school. I received my MD. I'm not a, uh, a DO. I'm not a, a naturopathic. I'm a classically trained allopathic physician. I graduated in 2000. And uh, in the first few years of my medical practice, I 100% towed the party line. I would tell people just join Weight Watchers and join the gym. Uh, here's, a, here's a prescription for literally every single thing you came in the door with. And I, all my life, I'd been a very slender, very athletic guy, played multiple sports in high school, uh, was on a scholarship in college until I tore my ACL. And I thought, well, maybe I should focus on academics instead of athletics. And about the age of 32, 33, I was a full-time emergency room physician and a full-time clinic uh, physician. So I was working three or four nights in the emergency room, 12-hour shifts, mm. and then had a full t- full-time job as uh, with my own clinic, the Berry Clinic, seeing anywhere from 30 to 50 patients a day. And so I was very, very busy. Also married, had kids, all that stuff. Yes. And I lived in scrubs, right? And so scrubs have this very big drawstring. That's how you tie your scrub pants. And so I lived in scrubs for years. And I knew I'd gained a little weight, but I had no idea until one Sunday morning, I was trying to put on my church pants. And the button liked about four and a half inches (laughs) getting into the hole. And I was like, oh, crap, this is worse than I thought. And so then I jumped on the scale at my heaviest, I was 297 pounds. And I'm, I'm the doctors and nurses make the worst patients, right? We never want to go to the doctor and actually get stuff checked. And so I thought I probably need to check some labs on myself. So I checked a full panel and I was pre-diabetic. My inflammatory markers were sky high. I had severe, severe heartburn reflux. I had severe dandruff. I had toenail fungus. I had uh, chronic joint pain from the ACL injury. I thought that's just, you know, I had an injury, so I'm always going to have arthritis in that knee. And so I, I'm like, okay, I got to I gotta tighten up because I'm a, I'm a country boy, as you may be able to tell from the accent. <laughs> I don't think I have an accent, but other people tell me I do. Neither do I, and I do. <laughs> right, right. And so I thought, okay, so I'm going to, I printed out the American Diabetes Association handout of how you're supposed to eat, and I started following that. And then I started jogging three days a week. And after three months, I, I stopped the white bread. I started eating whole wheat bread. Mm-hmm. I started, I stopped all the saturated fat. I stopped all the bacon. I trimmed all the, I basically stopped eating red meat and just ate chicken and fish. And I was jogging three days a week. I started drinking a big fruit juice smoothie every morning. And then eating according to the ADA guidelines, because I wanted to get rid of that prediabetes before it turned into type 2 diabetes. And so I did that for three months. 
At the end of that three months, I had gained three more pounds, reaching my heaviest weight, 297. And also my A1C went higher. Mm. I was even more pre-diabetic. That was the moment because here, I'll tell you, your your listeners, a, a, a secret that doctors don't tell patients. All doctors suspect that you're not doing what we tell you to do. So when we tell you things like, oh, you need to join the gym and join Weight Watchers, you need to eat low fat, you need to, you know, eat lots of fruits and vegetables. And then you come back in three or six months or a year and you've gained more weight and you're more diabetic. The average doctor, including me back then, I would suspect you were full of crap. Mm -hmm. I would suspect you were laying on the couch eating jelly donuts and right. I just I just thought you're laying there eating, drinking Pepsi, eating Doritos, eating ding dongs. You're not do you didn't do what I said. But here's the rub, Tracy. You did. I live with me. Yeah. Right. I knew that I had been following this to the letter for three solid months and jogging three times a week. And I freaking hate jogging. And it I got sicker. I didn't get better. And that was an epiphany. I was like, whoa. So it's possible that all those patients that I've been suspecting were full of crap. It's possible that they were actually following my advice. It's possible that my advice is just wrong. That's I'm like, well, I've got to figure this out because I, first of all, I'm a country boy. You can't, we're, we're very common sense people. You don't take your car to a mechanic whose car won't start. <laughs> you don't go to a hairdresser to get a haircut whose hair is janky. Yep. You don't do those things, right? And so you also shouldn't go to a fat doctor, a fat pre-diabetic doctor for nutrition advice. <laughs> so I had to figure out what was going on here. So I started reading very broadly. I read uh, Atkins Diet Revolution. I got that for 25 cents at a rummage sale. I read The Primal Blueprint. I read The Paleo Diet. And those books, I was like, wow, this is completely backwards to everything I've been taught and everything I thought I knew but I'll give it a try. I'll see. And so I adopted a lower carb diet with more meat in it and I got some benefits. And while I was doing that, I continued to read and study and research. And I kept hearing about this thing called a ketogenic diet, which sounds very faddish, very sciencey, very dangerous, maybe even. Right. And so uh, primal paleo low carb that helped a little bit. But when I started the ketogenic diet, and not eating lots of keto cookies, cakes, pies, keto pancakes, keto, you know, shakes. But actually, basically what keto is, is meat and veg. Uh -huh. That's what that's keto, right? Fatty meat and veg. When I started doing that, immediately the weight started to come off. My A1C, I was pre-diabetic. It went back to normal. So many things got better. That knee arthritis that I thought I was stuck with with life because of the old injury and the surgery, I had zero knee pain. And that didn't come after all the weight loss. That came during the early stages of weight loss. Yep. So I'm a, I'm a doctor, which means I should be at least an amateur scientist, right? A little bit. And so I, I'm like, how the hell is my knee better? My heartburn, which had been so severe that I used, I, I took two Nexium each and every day. Mm. Or, and so when the Nexium drug rep came, the patients didn't get those samples. I got those samples because I took two a day. I didn't need that anymore. And I'm like, what the heck? How is this possible? It can't be from the weight loss that my GERD is better because I've only lost maybe at that point 10 or 20 pounds. And so eventually 
I, I, I had lost all the weight. My A1C was normal. My, my, I, every now and then I would take a Tums or some apple cider vinegar for my heartburn. It was so much better. I didn't take any pill daily for that. My knee had no pain. I felt like I felt 10 years younger. Literally I had every, my dandruff went away. My toenail fungus went away. I'm like, what is going on here? There's gotta be a, a, an explanation for this. Then I saw this crazy doctor, Sean Baker, and he's a carnivore. He only eats meat and eggs. And I'm like, oh, what the heck? I had a Facebook page. It was growing. I'm like, hey, guys, let's do a month of carnivore. Carnivore challenge, right? At the end of that month of just meat and eggs, I had zero heartburn. <clears throat> Which, if any of your followers, if they've ever had or still have severe heartburn, yeah. it's almost disabling. It is. I mean, you, it literally affects the way you talk. It affects how you sleep at night. It affects everything. And that was, a, at that point, I thought that was a miracle. Now I know it's just physiology, but then I thought it was a miracle. And I'm like, I'm going to stay carnivore because basically low carb, if it's a circle, if you tighten the circle up more, that's keto. Mm -hmm. If you tighten it up even more, that's ketovore. If you tighten it up even more, that's carnivore. Carnivore is just a subset of the ketogenic way of eating right? It's as low carb as you can possibly go. And I thought, well, I'm staying carnivore because dude, not having heartburn, that's, that's, that is a blessing from the creator. And so that's my story of how I came into this. But if you had told me back in 2001 or 2002, when I was a young doctor, you should eat only meat and eggs. I would have told you you're a damn idiot. It's a recipe for death, basically, right? I mean, oh, my God. Yeah, you're going to kill yourself. But first of all, it's stupid. Secondly, it's, it's dangerous. Don't do that. But now that I, and obviously during this entire years long process, I've been digging into human physiology in ways that I never did. Even in medical school, I've been digging into archeology, span anthropology, paleoanthropology, trying to make all this make sense. And I think I found all the answers and that's why I, I, I don't call it keto or carnivore anymore. I call it a proper human diet because I think once you look at all those disciplines and you pull all the research in into and kind of congeal it into one circumspect paradigm it becomes self-evident this is how human beings are supposed to eat and to the degree with which you ignore the proper human diet that is the degree to which you suffer from chronic diseases that are com completely preventable if you just don't eat the standard American crap that the big corporations want you to eat. Yeah, amen to all of what you just said, especially, um, you know, it, the what I get from nurses a lot of the time, some some nurses I know, um, if you stay in ketosis all the time, you're going to, to kill your liver. The, you're you're right. going to have liver failure. You're going to die very early, have fun. And I'm like, how does that work, Dr. How does it work? Is that dangerous for a human being? And, and then quickly, what is ketosis? Tell people out there. Yeah. So ketosis, when you if you eat too many carbohydrates, then you're virtually never in ketosis. I was taught in medical school that being in ketosis only happens when you're starving to death. And it's true. When you're when you're in a starvation setting, say you fell down a well and there's not enough water to drown you, but you can't get out. You're going to live on your stored body fat. That's what's going to keep you alive in that well until somebody, hopefully, you've got enough friends that somebody misses you and they come looking for you and find you at the bottom of the well. But you can live at the bottom of that well. The average, let's take the average American. They could live at the bottom of that well because there's water to drink. They could live down there for weeks, months 
not eating anything because you you go into a state of ketosis where you're actually metabolizing. We say burning, but it's not really burning the fat that's stored on your body. That's why you have stored fat is if you get in a situation like that. Now, uh, it's not dangerous. It is a physiological condition. I understand now. I didn't know when I first started this. When I in my clinic years ago, I would tell my most morbidly, severely obese, obese patients, "Yeah, you can do this for three months to get the weight off." I thought it was a weight loss hack. I thought it might be dangerous as a doctor because I hadn't read deeply enough yet to understand what's really going on here. Well, it turns out that being in ketosis is a completely natural and healthy state for human beings. Infants who are exclusively breastfed, they're in ketosis most of the day. It, uh, are, is, is there an epidemic of liver failure in breastfed infants? No, no, that is the that is the best way to feed your infant, right? So no, it's obviously not bad for the human liver, at least in infants, but now there are people who've been doing the ketogenic diet or the carnivore diet uh, they maybe followed Atkins years ago, right? Back in the 70s and said, I'm just going to eat this way forever. They've been doing it for 20, 30 years now. Their liver markers are pristine. Not only are they normal, but they're in the optimal range of normal. So you can't, when, so, when a healthcare provider, a dietitian, a nurse tells you, oh, to being in ketosis all the time for too long is bad for your liver, is bad for your kidneys, what everybody should say and what you're going to say, Tracy, next time the doctor tells you that is, Oh, I would love to see the research that proves that. Uh, tell you, I know you're busy. Tell your nurse to just email that to me whenever they get a chance. Because I'm very, I'm doing you know keto, and I don't want to kill my liver. So send me that research proving that the ketogenic diet is hard on the liver, the kidneys, the brain, the heart, any organ. I'm anxious to read that research and then watch closely the facial expression on your doctor's face. Yep. Because it's going to be a look of, first of all, disbelief. And then secondly, as they go, well, shit, I've never actually read a study that showed. I just thought that was true. Uh-huh. And so they're basically repeating a lie. Yep. And that, that's what many doctors do. And I, I don't think there's a conspiracy out there. I think doctors are just dudes and chicks, just like you and me. They're busy. They're worried. They're they're exhausted. They're overworked. They're they're underpaid. Some people would agree argue with that, but I I think that's true for the average primary care physician based on the work they do. They don't have time to read, or at least they don't think they have time. They don't have time to consult their physiology textbook for medical school, or they wouldn't say dumb crap like that. It's the same with everything. I mean, you know, if you wanted to get into the medicine discussion at another time, corporate medicine Absolutely. has rendered doctors completely. Uh, you know, basically zombies to the system. I mean, yes. you you can't Absolutely. you can't practice the way you're talking about right now anymore in a lot of places. Not, not unless you want to go broke, right? Because you if a, if a regular doctor who takes insurance, takes Medicare, takes Medicaid, if they spent the amount of time that they should be spending with their patients teaching them about a proper human diet, they would go broke because they would see five or ten patients a day, and in, and for any doctor to 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 not only make money but just to break even. Yep. They've got to see 25 to 35 patients a day. Ah, there it is. There it is. It's the test of the emergency wireless emergency system. Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> I love it that that's part of our video. Don't cut that out. I won't. Hell no. Everyone's going to love that I left it on. There are, our, our, our loving government trying to keep us safe. Everybody's running around putting their phones in Faraday bags and stuff. And I was like, I'm not, I'm just, if they're going to find me, they're going to find me. I don't, I didn't take sure. any vaccine. I don't know what the hell they're talking. I don't care. Anyway. Um, so 
There's mine. Up. Oh, I don't hear it. I don't even it. know what that's. Oh. You found it? It's my watch. They got me. <laughs> Everything's in the microwave. I forgot to put the watch in the microwave. It's going to reactivate. That's it. I'm dead. You're going to be a zombie in five minutes. Everybody watch out. Um, no, but like, how does, how does carnivore feed the body in the right way to produce wellness? Because that's what yes. it does. So most people think that the most nutrient dense foods that we can possibly eat, if you ask the average person walking the street, if you ask the average doctor, what's the most nutrient dense food that humans can eat? They would say something like kale or blueberries or Aussie berries or spinach. But, and they say that, they believe that's true, but they're just wrong. They're currently ignorant because if you actually look up what is the nutrient composition of kale or spinach versus just cheap ground beef mm -hmm. from the supermarket. Now, I'm not talking about grass-fed, grass-finished, panda massage, ribeye from the, the hills of the <laughs> Himalayas. I'm not talking, I'm talking about cheap-ass ground beef from Walmart or from Kroger or from wherever, Winn-Dixie or, or Publix, that ground beef is more nutrient dense than kale. It has more amino acids, more fatty acids, more vitamins and minerals than any, any plant on the planet. That's number one. Meat is very nutrient dense and most people have no idea. They just think it's fat and protein. They don't, they don't know because nobody teaches you this anymore, right? They used to teach this in a class called home economics that high school kids used to take. That's why I learned how to buy Yeah, kids don't get any education in home economics or in civics or other very important things anymore. They don't get that education, so they don't know. So that's number one, meat, especially organ meat like liver from chicken or from beef or from cod, fish, those things are super foods. Like literally, you don't even have to take a multivitamin if you'll just eat two ounces of liver a week. That's it, that's your multivitamin, but nobody knows that and most people think liver is gross because nobody cooks it anymore. The second thing you have to understand is that plants do not want you to eat their leaves. Now, animals in the wild, let's take a deer in the wild and he's, he's brunt, munching on some wild uh, celery out there in the wild. The deer doesn't want you to eat him either. But if you try to eat the deer, he, he can run away, right? Or yeah. he can fight you. But the plant can't do that. So that what the plant uses to protect its, its leaves and its babies, which are the seeds, from being eaten are chemicals. And there's a long list of, of plants that are so toxic that if you eat them, they will literally kill you dead within minutes or hours. There's a whole list of those that we know, oh, don't eat that, it'll kill you, right? But all plants have these same defense chemicals in them to some degree. And so many of the things that plants put in their leaves are anti-nutrients. And so it may say, if you look it up, that spinach is a rich source of this and that and the other. But the vast majority of the vitamins and minerals in plant leaves are locked up by these anti-nutrients. Even though they're in there, you can't get access to them because the anti-nutrients block the absorption. And that's before pesticides are sprayed all over them. That's right. Let's not even, yeah, we'll get to <laughs> pesticides if you want to. And so then also plants put inflammatory chemicals in their leaves. And that's where the, the arthritis, that's where the, any itis, any word that you're currently suffering from for your followers and your listeners, if it's got itis at the end, it's either caused by an infection or inflammation, right? And so many people don't realize that they're sensitive to oxalates 
or lectins or mm-hmm. phytates or saponophens or phytoestrogens. They have, they don't know. They've just been told, oh, the more plants you eat, the healthier you'll be. And many people, when they the more plants they eat, the sicker they get. But they think, well, it must just be the progression of the disease. It can't be the plants because they're good for me. Mm-hmm. And so they never, it never occurs to them. I wonder what would happen to my level of inflammation if I just ate only meat for 90 days. I wonder if that would fix it. Most people think meat's very inflammatory. The truth of the matter is, is that meat is the most uninflammatory food you can eat on the planet, even the cheap meat. And there's a, you know, a big argument in the carnivore community. Oh, if you're going to eat meat, it needs to be grass-fed, grass-finished pastured, non-GMO, organic, no or no pesticides, no antibiotics, no steroids. Now, of course, I want you to eat the best quality meat that you can afford to buy. Uh-huh. But let's just say we have, we have a listener listening who's literally on a fixed income. Literally, the only meat they can afford is Spam and the big five-pound stick of cheap ham- ground hamburger, right? Yep. That is healthier for you, more nutrient dense, less inflammatory than any plants in the produce section. Now, I guarantee you, you've got listeners right now are going, who is this psycho? What? That's ridiculous. There's no way. Every doctor I've ever seen my entire life says that red meat's very inflammatory. Red meat will give you cancer. Red meat will give you heart disease. None of that's true, my friends. None of that's true. All of the research that your doctor's going on is epidemiological observational research, which can only show a possible association. It cannot show causation. It cannot show proof. The very nature of observational research means that it can only show a possible association. And so when you start to look at it like, oh, Dr. Berry's nuts, I'm going to look this up. When you start looking up the studies that prove that red meat is inflammatory or prove that red meat causes cancer or heart disease or whatever, you're going to find that all every single one of those studies without exception is observational in nature there there are no randomized control trials showing oh if you eat more red meat your risk of cancer goes up there are studies, studies showing the op- they, they, there are studies showing the opposite though aren't there absolutely yeah but nobody talks about those studies except me and a few other people in the carnivore state space and so people are completely confused And part of the reason they're confused is because of ignorant doctors like me saying stupid things like you need to join the gym and join Weight Watchers. You just need to eat more fruits and vegetables, eat whole grain bread, not white bread. Stop eating bacon. Stop eating red meat. Those things will kill you. And the people try that. They literally, honestly try to do what the doctor said. And it either does nothing to help or it makes them sicker. And so after you've done that 10 or 12 times, what do you do? You give up and just say, screw it. I'll just eat the ding-dongs and Doritos and drink the Pepsi. I mean, nothing the doctor told me helped at all. So obviously nobody knows what the solution is. That's the beauty of the carnivore diet. I'm not telling you to adopt a carnivore diet and eat it for the rest of your life like some kind of, uh, you know, apostolic preacher here. (laughs) I'm saying try it for 90 days. Nothing's going to kill you in 90 days unless you're eating one of the plant poisons known to kill you like ricin or strychnine. Those are come from plants and they will kill you quickly. Try it for 90 days, red meat and eggs for 90 days. And then at the end of that 90 days, if it didn't help you any, go back to eating your other junk. That's fine. But 
give yourself that 90 day trial before you make a judgment, because I promise you guys, you can do all the research yourself and I encourage you to do that. But I've done, I've looked at all the research studies. There is not a study on planet earth that proves that red meat causes cancer. There's not a single study that proves that red meat causes heart disease. There's not a single study that shows that red meat is inflammatory. The studies do not exist. I want to get into uh, labs and stuff like that because that's yes. going to be an interesting one for folks. But before I do, I want to ask you this. Uh, deer you were referencing in the woods, right? Strolling along, yep. eating its grass, eating its leaves. Why can the deer tolerate it? Because the deer is a ruminant. They have a special stomach, mm. just like cows and sheep and goats and camels and water buffalo and reindeer. Ruminants all over the world have evolved to be able now even even deer and cows and sheep, they still can't break down cellulose. Most doctors think they can, but they cannot. They have a special set of friends inside of that special multi-chambered stomach called bacteria. And the bacteria break down the cellulose for them so that they can get access to it. Now there's a different, so that they're ruminants. They have a ruminant stomach, a four chambered stomach. That's how they're able to do it. We other don't. animals like gorillas and chimpanzees and other primates and horses are hind gut fermenters. They have a humongous large intestine and a humongous cecum, which is part of the large intestine. They're called hind gut fermenters. So they again use the back, they still can't break down the cellulose in the grass but they have bacteria in the back part of their gastrointestinal system that break it down for them. Humans do not have a multi-chambered ruminant stomach. Humans also don't have a humongous hindgut. We cannot do either one of those things. And the, the cows couldn't do it if they didn't have the bacteria. I, I get all the time people say, well, the animals are eating <clears throat> the vegetables and they're fine. And I'm always at a struggle of how best to explain it. You just did it for yep. me. I yep. And a lot of vegans want to look at the gorilla because evolutionarily, they're one of our least distant cousins. Mm -hmm. uh, that's true. Uh, if you buy into evolution. And so they are hind gut fermenters. Their cecum, the part of their large intestine is huge. Gorillas eat leaves for about 16 to 18 solid hours a day. And indeed, if anybody's tried to go vegan or whole foods, uh, plant-based diet, you have to eat constantly in order to get enough nutrition. You have to you have to mimic the gorilla diet and eat for 16 hours a day. Who wants to do that? First of all, I've got stuff to do. Secondly, you don't have that humongous cecum with all those bacteria in there. So you cannot ever get big and muscular like the gorilla from eating plant leaves. It just doesn't work that way. And so even though they are our least distant cousin, least distant relative, they have a completely different gastrointestinal system from us. And I have, Two more questions that sprung off that. Sure. So so let's stick there for a second and then we'll go to cholesterol, the big bad sure. word, cholesterol. Um, what about gut health for, for us? If you're on a carnivore diet, t talk to me about how that messes with your, messes with, helps your gut health. And also if you need to take a probiotic anymore while you're on a carnivore diet. Yeah, great question. So more and more people every day who suffer from ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease or irritable bowel disease, they're seeing this carnivore diet thing and they're thinking that can't work, but their symptoms are so severe and they've tried every medication, all the pharmaceutical crap. They've even in some cases had surgery to have part of their guts chopped out and thrown in the garbage. 
because the doctor told them that's your only option. And they're like, I'm just going to try this carnivore thing for 90 days. And at the end of the 90 days, their symptoms have went to zero. They have no symptoms anymore, but they, they still have ulcerative colitis or Crohn's or IBS, but they don't have any symptoms. And they're like, how is that possible? And it's possible because of all the things we talked about earlier. Meat is uninflammatory. It's not inflammatory. Meat is full of nutrition. It's not nutrient void. And it doesn't have any of the inflammatory chemicals in it that plant foods have. And so they're like, oh my God, that fixed it. <clears throat> now, if it were true that you've either got to take a probiotic or you've got to eat plants for your gut microbiome, for the bacterial health in your gut, then they would get worse, not better, right? Yep. They don't get worse. They get better with almost without exception. So here's the thing. People think, oh, if you eat a certain diet, you destroy some bacteria and, and you encourage others. That's wrong. Anytime you change your diet, you do upregulate some of the bacteria and you downregulate some of the other bacteria, but you never eradicate those bacteria. In fact, now we know that the appendix, which surgeons consider to be a vestigial organ left over from evolution that has served no purpose, we now know that one of the many functions of the human appendix is that it is a storage vault for different bacteria. That's where your body stores the bacteria in case your diet changes. Huh. In case it needs it, it goes to the bacteria bank, the appendix, and pulls out that bacteria, and then they start repopulating the gut. So what happens when you stop eating a high-carb diet? You downregulate all of the carbohydrate-loving bacteria, and you upregulate all of the meat-loving bacteria. And you, your gut gets better, and your health gets better in other ways as well. And then when you go just meat-based only, you downregulate all of the, the plant-loving bacteria, and you upregulate even more of the meat-loving bacteria, the bacteria that love it that you have a gut that's full of protein and fat and your gut health improves again. And so there, there's no need for a probiotic on a carnivore diet. And actually me and other carnivores, we've actually sent off the poop sample to have our microbiome collected. Cause when I first started carnivore, that's one of the things I was worried about. So I sent off a, a stool sample to have it tested. The results came back and they're like, oh my gosh, your, your stool sample, your, you have a wide diversity of gut bacteria. Like you have a very healthy gut population of bacteria. You must be eating a plant-based diet. <laughs> and I was like, no, actually I'm not. But also any of those, when you send off those samples, you also get recommendations. Oh, you need this probiotic and you need this mm -hmm. uh, supplement and this supplement. All that's crap. You don't need any of that. All you need to do is eat lots of fatty red meat and eggs with the yolk and your gut bacteria, just like they've been doing for millions of years, your gut bacteria will auto-regulate and they'll take care of themselves. They don't need any input or help from you or your doctor. So that leads me to the next doctor thing. You go to the doctor, they take your normal panel, your A1C and all of that. And all of a sudden you've been on carnivore for a couple months and your triglycerides are high and your LDL is all wacky and your labs are just not okay. And you say yep. to your, the doctor gets freaked out and says, oh, we need to get you on a statin and this and that. But why does that happen to somebody who is either new to or just getting into the carnivore yep. diet? And should they freak out at all? Yeah. And so the first thing is triglycerides. What invariably happens, and I've yet to see an exception to this, what happens when somebody starts a carnivore diet is that their triglyceride level goes down without exception. Okay. And this is people who have been eating plant-based, their triglycerides are 350 or whatever. They go carnivore, their triglycerides are under a hundred. 
within a few months. And that that is that's ubiquitous. I haven't seen an exception to that yet. Now, let's talk about LDL and total cholesterol. About one third of people who adopt either keto, ketovore or carnivore, their LDL cholesterol and total cholesterol goes down about a third. About a third of the people, they stay the same. They don't change. And about a third of people, the LDL cholesterol and total cholesterol go up. And in about 1% of people, their LDL cholesterol and total cholesterol go sky high. These people are called lean mass hyperresponders. I'm one of those. The last time I had my labs checked, my total cholesterol was 350 and my LDL cholesterol was 250. And I'm not worried about those numbers at all for reasons we can talk about, but my A1C is beautifully normal. My triglycerides are normal. My HDL is high normal. Those are the important markers that you need to think about. And then another marker that most docs have never heard of, they don't even know it's something you can check, is a fasting insulin level. Mm -hmm. That's a huge test that I want every single one of your listeners to get checked. Fasting insulin. You need to fast for 12 to 14 hours. And then when you go for your labs, tell your doctor, check my fasting insulin while you're checking. A lot of docs will refuse to do it because they don't they don't know the importance of a fasting insulin. Okay. But if you're eating too high of a carbohydrate diet, your fasting insulin is going to be elevated. That's hyperinsulinemia. You you hear people talking about, oh, I have insulin resistance. Mm -hmm. Insulin resistance is not a real thing. It's just a, a way of thinking about metabolic health. But fasting insulin is a real thing. And if your fasting insulin level is high, then you have hyperinsulinemia. Very dangerous. Uh, it, it, it goes hand in hand with inflammation. It goes hand in hand with PCOS, with acne, with dandruff, with heart disease, with fatty liver. Every single thing that, that the, the population of modern American and modern society are suffering from comes directly from hyperinsulinemia and chronic inappropriate inflammation. Those are the two things that are driving every epidemic of chronic disease in modern society. And so your doctor is going to focus on the LDL cholesterol went up. Oh my God, we've got to get you on a statin because that's how they were trained. That's how I was trained. That's what I would have said back in 2003. If you'd come to me eating a carnivore diet and your total cholesterol and LDL cholesterol were high, I'd be like, oh my God, that's going to kill you. But if you said to me, but I've reversed type two diabetes, and all my markers of inflammation went down and my triglycerides went back down to normal and my HDL went back up to normal. Back in 03, I wouldn't have known the importance of that. I would have been like, I don't care. I don't care about any of that. I just want you on a statin because your LDL cholesterol is high and you're going to have a heart attack. Well, when you actually dig into the research, Tracy, what you find is that the biggest risk factor for heart disease, heart attack, number one risk factor, type two diabetes, it is 10 to 20 times more dangerous than the cholesterol. than high LDL cholesterol. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Next is metabolic syndrome. Next is high blood pressure. Next is obesity. Next is smoking. You know, out of the top 10 things that could cause you to have a heart attack, do you know where LDL falls? It's number 13 or number 14, depending on how you crunch the numbers. So what I, as a common sense country boy, chose to do, and what most of my followers choose to do, is to reverse the 10 most dangerous things which is type 2 diabetes, metabolic syndrome, high triglycerides, hypertension, obesity, right? Smoking as well, it's in the top 10. But LDL cholesterol is not even in the top 10. So if your doctor has not addressed your A1C and your fasting insulin level, if they have not addressed your triglycerides, if they have not addressed your HDL, if they have not addressed your waist 
to height ratio. In other words, do you have visceral fat or not? Fat inside your belly. If they haven't addressed that, if they just go straight to LDL cholesterol, that's exactly like your doctor ignoring the fact that you came into their office with a loaded shotgun pointed <laughs> at your head. They ignored that. And then you also you've got a BB gun pointed at your arm. And all they wanted to worry about and fret about was the BB pointed at your BB gun pointed at your arm. Oh my God, get that BB gun away from your arm. You could kill yourself. And you're like, I've yep. got a loaded shotgun pointed at my head. That's type two diabetes and metabolic syndrome and high blood pressure and high triglycerides, a loaded shotgun. But all they want to get all hot and bothered about is the BB gun pointed at your arm. That's that's the same, that's a perfect analogy for a doctor worrying about your LDL and ignoring that all that other stuff. You are great. I have a question. Um, where is your common sense country boy t-shirt? <laughs> I need one of those. You really I? do. Like, yeah, I really do. <laughs> common sense country boy, come at me, bro. Yeah. So my, my next question has to do with your blood type. Now, I have seen research in my spare time because, honestly, my experience with carnivore has not been the same as my husband's has been. My body yeah. doesn't seem to react exactly the same way as his does. And so I'm yep. on this quest to figure out why the F not. Um, yep. <laughs> I feel great. I don't yep. feel full anymore after I eat. Like, I feel satiated, but I don't feel full. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I know I I, yep. I've eaten to where I need to eat. I can tell immediately I stop eating. I have no desire to keep eating. You could talk about that too. Absolutely. Um, but go into different blood types and different diets and yep. why, why? Okay, I'm about to piss off a few of your listeners and maybe you too, I don't know. So the blood type diet, There's there was a book written about this. It's been, I don't know, 15 years ago. I read that book when it first came out. I was blown away. I was like, oh my God, this is, this is a big deal. This is very important. And I, I actually followed it for a while. And then I started looking into the research studies, the few that the author had actually cited and I'm like, well, that doesn't really prove that. Oh. And then now, do all I do is I, I look at diet claims. I look, oh, the, the, the pH diet, the blood type diet, the blue zones diet. I dig into the research that they cite and also the research they didn't cite. Sometimes mm -hmm. that's the most important research of all. I have come to the conclusion that your blood type is completely and totally irrelevant when it comes to the type of diet you should eat. And here's why. And also I want to address why you're reacting differently to carnivore than your husband. So don't let me forget that. I won't. <laughs> blood type, your blood type has nothing to do with what type of diet you should eat. Cows have about 20 different blood types. They actually have more different blood types than humans. But regardless of a cow's blood type, you know what they should eat? grass okay they have more blood types than humans but every single cow regardless of their blood type they should eat grass now we've got the blood type thing out of the way let's talk about human blood types there's there's uh, several different blood types and there are blood types that people don't even know about because they're so they so rarely matter there's multiple little different factors that could be positive or negative it doesn't matter all of our ancestors, and so here's where anthropology and paleoanthropology and archaeology come in. If you go back in time more than 12,000 years, every human being on planet Earth, without exception, ate a meat-heavy diet. That's all, all the ancestors of, of the Indian people, the Brahmins, all the ancestors of the Asian people, the Buddhists, all the ancestors of the Seventh-day Adventists, 
They all ate a fatty red meat heavy diet without exception, regardless of what their blood type was. That's the diet they ate because that's the diet that brought us. That's the diet that literally made us homo sapiens sapiens. We know this if you look at the anthropology literature because there, there's a test called stable isotope analysis. We can look at the isotope analysis of carbon or nitrogen or strontium or several others, and we can tell exactly, did, did this person whose bone or whose tooth I've got in the lab, did they eat a meat-heavy diet or a plant-heavy diet? Did they eat seafood predominantly or red meat predominantly? Did they eat C3 or C4 plants? We can tell the different kind of plants that they ate. Without exception, before 12,000 years ago, if you check stable isotope analysis, they ate either a seafood-heavy diet or a red meat-heavy diet, depending on where they lived in the world, where they were stuck at. They did eat plants to keep from starving to death, uh -huh. which is very smart. And we can use plants in a situation where the shits hit the fan and we're stuck somewhere and all we got is beans and rice. Yes, 100% eat the beans and rice. They're a great anti-starvation food. When we look in archaeology, we see without exception, emperors and rulers fed their slaves and their prisoners. What did they feed the slaves and prisoners? It's by definition going to be the cheapest diet possible to keep them from starving to death, right? Yep. Nobody cares about nutrient density. Nobody cares about inflammation. Nobody cares about any of that. I just want to feed these prisoners and these slaves whatever I can feed them that is as cheap as it can possibly be that will keep them from starving to death. What is it? Beans and rice. Rice and beans. 100% of the time, it's grains and legumes. That's what you feed your prisoners because it's cheap and nobody cares about a prisoner's health. I don't care. I don't want my prisoners to be optimal. If they're optimal, they might break out and kill my ass. Mm -hmm. I want them to be just healthy enough so they can swing a pick or swing an axe or whatever I want them to do. I don't give a damn about their longevity. I don't care about their health, their level of inflammation. I don't care about that. We see this time and time again that beans and rice, rice and beans, legumes and grains, that's a starvation diet. That's a slave diet. That's a prisoner diet. All of the people who had their choice eat lots of fatty meat and eggs. That's what they ate. Now, about 12,800 years ago, there was a catastrophe on planet Earth. We don't know if it was just a, a, a an asteroid breaking up or if it was as, an asteroid breaking up plus volcanoes erupting, but all of the large megafauna, which is an animal that weighs over 100 pounds, were all killed. That was the diet we lived on for hundreds of thousands of years before that catastrophe 12,800 years ago. And so that's why uh, right at that time, you start to see humans tinkering around with agriculture, trying to, trying to grow plants, grow wheat, grow uh, spelt, grow all these different grains, grow these different beans and legumes and peas because we were starving because all of our big fat animals that we used to kill and eat are now extinct because of this catastrophe that happened 12,800 years ago. You may have heard of the Younger Dryas event. That's the event that made human beings discover agriculture. Mm -hmm. Agriculture was not a revolution for humans. It was not this great discovery that made us healthier. It was a devolution. It was a catastrophe. We had to either learn how to grow and, and reap and eat grains, or we would starve to death and become extinct. 
It was not our choice. We were forced into that by the catastrophe of the Younger Dryas. Some of your listeners have, will have heard of that and they'll be going, oh my God, he knows about the Younger Dryas. Others will be like, I've never heard of that in my life. Have you ever heard of that? You taught That's me something today. I didn't know about that. Yeah, That's yeah. so there's, there's tons of research about it in the geology literature and in the climatology literature, but nobody talks about it because if you dig into that too deep, it's going to lead you straight to the carnivore diet because that's what we ate exclusively before the Younger Dryas event. So what would cause someone like him to experience such amazing health results and someone like me to stay more status quo, albeit with a lot more energy and nicer skin? Yep. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so you feel better, but I you're do. not getting the results you wanted, not getting the results that he's getting. Correct. So there's a difference between you and him. Some people in the mainstream media would say, no, this is not a difference. But I would <laughs> opine that he is a man and you are a woman. Correct. And you guys have different hormones. You have different hormone levels. And men, on average, respond much quicker to any weight loss diet. Regardless of what it is, they're going to lose fat faster. This is known in the nutrition literature, known in the medical literature, but, and it's probably because his testosterone level is a lot higher than yours. That's, that's probably the majority of the reason. Yeah. But if you take any husband and wife and you put them both on the same diet, he's going to lose weight faster than her, and then he's going to be in trouble because of that. Right? <laughs> no. 100% of the time, Thankfully, that's how it works. I'm so excited I can't be mad at him. So. Right, right, right. Now, another thing that's probably happening to you that happens to many women is you still have your mother's voice or your grandmother's voice or maybe an aunt's voice in your head, maybe even subconsciously telling you, oh, honey, that's too big of a portion. Don't eat that much. Just have a palm sized portion or just have don't eat too much. Don't overeat uh, because, you know, that's what women tell their daughters and their granddaughters. On the carnivore diet, one of the most beautiful things about it is you get to eat until you're full. You get to eat until you're comfortably stuffed. You don't have to portion control. You don't have to calorie count. You don't have to do any of that. Just like every other animal out in the wild. Do you think the deer are out there portioning out? They're, they're no, they're, they ju- if they're hungry, they eat. If they're full, they don't eat. Humans are the only confused, we're the smartest and the most ignorant species on the planet. We've got it all figured out, but then we get confused, right? Because we saw some guru on Instagram or saw some doctor on, on network television, and now we don't know what to do. Every animal on the planet knows how to eat. If you're hungry, you eat species-appropriate foods. When you're full, you stop eating, and then you don't eat again until you're hungry again. And I, I, if you think about it, I guarantee you're going to be like, yeah, I probably do portion control a little because, you know, I don't want to eat too much because, you know, and that's just that. And so it's part, mostly hormonal. Uh partly because you've got that unconscious voice in your head that was drummed into you as a little girl. Men eat meat, women have smile and eat a salad. And then also don't eat too much honey because you don't want to be a glutton. You don't want, you know, you don't want to be that girl. That's just, and so that's, that's the main reason. But even if you did eat to satiety, he's going to lose weight faster than you because of his hormone levels. There is a difference between men and women, and I stand by that, even if I get canceled for saying that out loud. You can't be canceled here on Rumble, dude. Come on. There is no canceling on Rumble. I'm so glad you're on Rumble, by the way. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I'm on Rumble. I hope that persists. We'll see. I hope so, too. I'll help you. I mean, I'll bring bring as many people over there for you as I can. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Listen, we, we have about, what, 10 minutes left. Let's bring in quickly the fasting conversation, right? Because we haven't mentioned that yet at all. Now, we do a 16-hour fast every day. 
I've gotten to love it. I mean, I really, truly do love it. It's perfect for us. Is it necessary to have a fast or are you doing it organically because of what you just said with the eating habits? Yes and yes. So fasting is super powerful for helping you reclaim your best health. Very, very powerful. Number one, most powerful thing, eat the right food and avoid the wrong foods. That's the biggest thing you can do to improve your health. Number two, implement some degree of intermittent fasting into your daily routine or weekly routine. So uh, Dr. Jason Fung, a friend of mine, he's written the Bible on fasting, okay? So F-U-N-G is his last name. Just search Fung and fasting. You'll find all his books. He's a genius. He's actually a kidney specialist, and he recommends keto and fasting. So if anybody says, oh, keto will kill your kidneys, Mm -hmm. Dr. Jason Fung is a board-certified nephrologist, and he he would tell you to shut the hell up because you don't (laughs) know what you're talking about, okay? Yep. Every day, I don't eat, I don't break my fast until 3 or 4 p.m. I eat one or two meals a day in within a six, four to six hour feeding window. And then I don't eat again until the next day at 3 or 4 p.m. That is very ancestrally appropriate. That we, our ancestors, more than 12,800 years ago, they did not have three meals a day with snacks in between. That, that would not have worked for them and the way they lived their life. They made a huge kill. They gobbled it until they literally couldn't eat another bite. They laid around and took a nap. Then they got up and done did whatever work needed to be done. When they got truly hungry, the next day or the next day or the next day, they would go out and make another kill. That's the, that's the lifestyle that we're trying to mimic. You don't have to live a, a caveman lifestyle. You don't have to go live in the woods, throw away your cell phone. But you do have to honor your DNA. You have to honor the diet they ate and the way they ate it. Because our DNA has not changed between now and 100,000 years ago. We're still the same exact mammal. So back then, if they didn't make a kill for two or three days, it didn't bother them at all. They're like, that's fine. We'll go again tomorrow. It's fine because they had stored body fat. Mm-hmm. Humans, humans are the fattiest primate on the planet. We store much more fat than the other primates who are our least distant relatives, because we changed our diet strategy. They don't have to to store body fat because they eat plants for 16 to 18 hours every day. And they live in the jungle, so there's always food. That's not what humans do. We make a big kill. We, We glutton out on that kill. We eat until we cannot eat another bite. Then we go outside and play. We do whatever needs to be done, and we don't eat again until we're hungry. And that can be one day, two days, three days from now. That's how we're designed to eat. And so when you don't eat, magical things start to happen. At least they seem magical, but they're really it's physiology because that's the way we're designed to eat. So when you honor that, when you break your fast, you eat fatty red meat, eggs with the yolk, maybe a little veg, maybe a few low-carb nuts, maybe a few low-carb berries if you want that, but that's not necessary. You eat fatty red meat and eggs with the yolk until you're stuck, can't eat another bite. And then you're not hungry again for a long damn time. Because guess what? The two macronutrients that cause satiety, which is fullness, and cause persistent satiety, which means you're not looking for a snack again in two or three hours, they're fat and protein. Mm -hmm. Guess what meat and eggs are full of? Fat and protein, unless your butcher shaved too much of the fat off, in which case you need to have a conversation with your butcher. (laughs) Don't trim the fat. Eat the fat that comes with the meat. 
Now, if you're eating carbohydrates all the time, you're going to be hungry again in two hours. Everybody's been to the Chinese restaurant and literally ate their weight in Chinese food. Again, what happens in two hours? You're hungry. You're hungry again because you all you ate was carbohydrates. When you cut the carbs and eat more fat and protein, you're just not hungry. So it becomes effortless to fast. And indeed, many that's the way many people on a keto or a carnivore diet, that's how they come to fasting because it's morning time, it's breakfast time. And they're like, dude, I'm 0% hungry. I'm just going to skip breakfast. Is that what happened to you, Tracy? Yeah, it just happened naturally pretty much. Like we, we eat our fill at lunch, which is 12 yep. for us, and that's it. And we're pretty yeah. much good. Now, Some but days... do you see? Do you see how when you honored your DNA, you honored your species, and ate a species appropriate diet, it's like your body just went back to the old way. Yeah. I don't need to eat every two hours. I don't need a snack in between every meal. I don't even need more than one meal a day. Yeah. That's that's the thing. And not only does your your habits do they go back to the ancestral way, but your health goes back to the ancestral way. And it's very important. I say this. The, the default setting in the human body is not disease. But if you looked at the standard American population, you would think, oh, every, the, the setting is being fat and sick. Yeah. No, that's because they're all being slowly poisoned by the crap that Kellogg's and Mondelez and Kraft Heinz sells them and, and, and pretends it's healthy. That shit's not healthy. That shit is leading to your chronic diseases. Stop buying food that has an ingredient list. Stop buying food that has cute little cartoon characters on it because newsflash, that's not food. I would ask you to reconsider what is your definition of food? My definition is nutrient dense things that don't cause inflammation that our ancestors have eaten for longer than 12,800 years ago. That's my definition of food. I don't count calories. I don't give a damn about calories. Your body doesn't know what a calorie is. Eat the food that we've eaten for 99.9% .9 of our time on this planet as a species, and your health is going to improve. End of story. So it's easy to start this. You just start eating meat. That's it. it. People are like, how now do I do it? What's common... the meal plan? I'm like, there is no meal plan, man. You just eat meat. Yeah, and literally... Our grocery bill is lower now than back when we were eating all the processed carbs. And our meal prep is so easy. Here's my <laughs> meal prep. I'll give it to you because it's so simple. I come in from the pasture from working. I take a shower. I go to the fridge. I pull out some meat. I cook it for three or four minutes and then I eat it. That's mm -hmm. my, that's it. That's literally it. There's also zero food waste in this house. Yep. Because I eat it all. Nisha eats it all. If we don't eat it all, we give it to the dogs because dogs are also carnivores or we give it to the cats. Cats are also carnivores. If you're giving your dog or cat kibble that's plant-based, that's pet abuse, okay? You probably should have your pets taken away from you because dogs and cats are carnivores, just like most people are. Now, some people can tolerate some veg. Some people can tolerate 50 or even 100 total grams of carbohydrates a day in the form of real vegetables and real nuts and real berries. But some of us, depending on your DNA, maybe depending on your gut microbiome, we need to be carnivores in order to, to, to realize our best health. And I'm sorry if that offends you, but the truth is what it is, whether you're offended or not. I feel sick when I eat anything else now. I really do. My body automatically repels it. It's yep. just like, boo, Same what did me. you do? Like, why did you put this in you? This is not right. Yep. Listen. For the first 
Go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. I said it. I was going to say, for the first few years, Nisha and I, my wife, were doing this keto, ketovore, carnivore thing. When we would go out for a birthday or our anniversary or something, we'd be like, you know what? Let's cheat. And we'd get the cheesecake or this or that or that. But then we would suffer for three days. <laughs> yeah. And we've gotten to the point now it's where it's like, it. why would we want to screw up our life for three days for a temporary sort of pleasure? We don't even do it anymore. It's not worth it. We go out to on our anniversary. We eat fatty red meat. That's what we eat. And then we come home and the next morning. We're happy we did that. And we go on with our life like it never happened. Yeah, there's no more drinking in this household ever. There's no more sugar anywhere. It's It's been revel. You have seriously the guidance that you've given on your channel, on your website, in your books, which you can tell us where we can find and how we can follow you. And I, I really... I can't express enough how much of a, a change in lifestyle this has been in every yep. facet of our lives. It's not just, oh, look, someone lost 100 pounds. No. Yep. It's all-encompassing. Yep. Absolutely. And it also, I think it affects your mental health. I think it affects your, your outlook on I, life. 100%. I think that... When people adopt this way of eating, they stop giving a shit about the Kardashians. They stop <laughs> caring about football and soccer and baseball and all that. They start thinking about important topics like, is our government literally going to take all of our freedoms away? Uh, is 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 yes. my neighbor? I wonder if my neighbor is prepared in, so, in case something bad happens. You start to think about these ancestrally appropriate things and you stop giving a shit about trivial crap that doesn't matter. Yep. You start connecting with your loved ones again. You're like present when you and your husband, you're like, I'm I'm with you right now. I'm not over here reading People magazine or some stupid shit anymore. I'm like, I'm really focused on, hey, listen, let's let's harden our defenses. Let's harden, let's make the farm more productive. Let's make sure our neighbors are on board with this. It makes you really go back to the ancestral way, which is effectively making sure your body is healthy and prepared and making sure the bodies and minds of those who are closest to you are healthy and prepared. And I feel like that's a very ancestral place to be right now. And it may not be such a bad place to be given our modern times and circumstances. Agreed. And you know, I don't want to keep you over time, so I won't go for- No, it's fine. I love it. Let's keep oh, going if okay. you've got time. Fantastic. You know, I think a lot of it too is, uh, Doc, that like people have realized what the health establishment has been feeding them. And, and COVID was the trigger for as horrible as a catastrophe as we had through COVID in many ways. It was a bright light shining on something that many of us were screaming about like you for a long time. And then finally people didn't have a choice but to see it. And so when people yep. start questioning their pharmaceutical drugs now because of the COVID vaccine and other things, now yep. it opens the door for you to come in and say, hey, I've been screaming about this group of new people who haven't yet probably seen some of this information and people are hungry for it because of all the things you just said. Absolutely. And I, I would not wish the last three or four years on humanity, but it happens. And so I think you're right. I think more people now have stuck their head up out of the foxhole and are going, what the hell is going on here? The world that I thought made sense doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And the, the pharmaceutical companies that I thought that I could just blindly trust because I was sure that our federal government was watching over them very tightly and carefully. <laughs> uh, I don't think they're watching over them at all. In many cases, I think that the government agency supposed to be watching Big Pharma has been co completely co-opted by Big Pharma. 
guess what? You're right. And I've known that for 15 years now. Yes, you are right. You are not crazy. Okay. The big food manufacturers who you would think the FDA would be all over making sure that the foods that they say are heart healthy and part of a healthy breakfast. You would think that the government would not let them say that if that were false. Guess what? Yeah, you're right. That's a bunch of crap. All those foods are unhealthy. All those foods are inflammatory. All those foods are too high in carbohydrates. They will lead directly to diabetes and fatty liver and hypertension and joint pain and gut problems and skin problems and mental health problems. Uh -huh. If you eat the foods that Kraft and Pepsi and Coke and, and Mondelez tells you is healthy, you will get and keep chronic medical diseases. So you cannot eat that crap. You're wildly influential. People look to you from all over the world. I mean, I've seen some of the things that you, I mean, my husband watches you all the time, so I do in turn. What have you faced? Because we've seen what happens when docs go up against, you know, what the manual says and start thinking on their own. Have you experienced any of that before it was, quote, cool to experience oh, it? Oh, big time. Yeah. I've been visited by the Tennessee State Medical Board several times and have been deemed by them several times for things that I believe to be true and I believe to be healthy for people. they've And so having a medical license is a privilege, it's not a right. It's kind of like a, a lot of people think of driver's license, right? It's a privilege to drive on the government's roads, although I might disagree with the, the right to travel. I think that may be God given, <laughs> uh, if I'm not mistaken. But if a, a trooper pulls you over on the interstate, if that trooper's in the mood they they'll give you're going to get a ticket for something everybody knows this right if, if if the trooper's in a bad mood or if they just don't like the cut of your jib you can get a ticket for multiple things even though you're not really doing anything dangerous whatsoever same thing with a medical license if the state medical board just doesn't like you because you've got a website or you've got a youtube channel or you're, you're saying something they don't agree with they can ding you 50 different ways from sunday and indeed that's what happened to me I still have an active medical license. I still have a small practice. I practice, but I'm never interested in practicing the big pharma model of medicine ever again. There is a place for pharmaceuticals in certain specific situations, but the average person that comes to the doctor's office, they do not need with a, to leave with a prescription for pharmaceuticals 95% of the time, if not a higher percentage. Well, let's just say 95% of the time, yeah. because I think that's the number that most people would go, wait, what? Yeah, you don't need a prescription. I went, in, I went into the dermatologist, Dr. Barry, one time, and she's looking at your feet, right? She looks at my toenail. She's like, oh, it looks like you have some fungus on your toenail. Here's a script for this medicine. Just before you, when you take it, call and make an appointment with our office. You're going to have to come in for your liver to be tested. Yep. And I'm like, yep. wait, wait, we wait, wait. kill your liver. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you're like, toenail fungus versus <laughs> liver failure. Right. Mm. Yep. Right. And this is what yep. they're doing. Like, it's nothing. Like, it's nothing. Just, just, and, and Absolutely. so God bless you. And it, let, let me just tell you, I don't know about it at the higher levels. There may very well be conspiracy up there in the boardroom level, but the average doctor, there's no conspiracy people. Trust me. I was there. I was just an idiot. I was just ignorant. <laughs> I didn't know better. I was trained and I thought I could trust my medical school professors. I thought I could trust the doctors who trained me during my residency. Turns out I, I couldn't and I shouldn't. And now I don't. But I didn't know better back in 2003, four and five. I didn't know any of this stuff I know now because I didn't know I should even be looking for this stuff. But the average doctor is so confused about diet. They have no idea. 
they're so confused about who needs a pill versus who doesn't need a pill. There's this thing called de-prescribing, which is becoming very popular, but it makes very, most doctors very uncomfortable because that, all they've ever been trained to do is add another pill, add another injection oh. to the toxic pharmaceutical soup that already is the patient's bloodstream. All they know to do is add another pharmaceutical to it. It never occurs to them, I wonder if I should stop some of these medicines. We're not trained to do that. We don't know how to do that. And so that's why I've, I have my followers actually go to their, I, I don't tell them to find a new doctor, Tracy. I want them to go back to their doctor and say, doc, I want them to teach their doctor and, and that's happening and that's actually working. And now many of their doctors are on board with keto. Wow. They're on board with carnivore. They're on board with deep prescribing because a patient had never just stood up to them and politely, diplomatically said, "Why well, I'm on 10 pills already. Why do you think an 11th pill is the answer? I don't get it. Do you think maybe one of my other 10 pills is causing the side effect that I'm having? Could that be possible? Is it possible that I'm eating too many carbohydrates, which convert completely to sugar? Maybe that's why my blood sugar is high. Instead of another pill or injection, should I try a low-carb diet that's lower in sugar? Maybe that would help my blood sugar come down. And when you put it that way to the average doctor, some of them are like, well, shit, that makes a lot of sense. I've never thought of that. Let's try it. And it's almost asinine to me. It, it is, but it works because doctors are just dudes and chicks. They're not special. They're not demigods. They're not a step above you. They're just like you. They just happen to have went to medical school and have a, a degree. That's the only difference. They are susceptible to every logical fallacy just as much as you are. They're susceptible to advertising and to marketing and to all the tricks that big pharma and big food have played on the entire population of the world. They are just as susceptible, in some cases more susceptible, than somebody who didn't go to medical school or some professional school. So your doctor's not special. They're just a dude or just a chick, just as susceptible to, to being tricked as you are. So yeah, you gotta talk to them like a dude or a chick because that's what they are. It's awesome. I got probably, uh, I would say probably 150 emails after I shared my husband's success and obviously have always credited you for that along the way. And you know what, honestly, from the bottom of our hearts here in the Beans household, we so appreciate you. I hope this isn't the last time that we talk, first of all. But oh, no, no. Please no. I see, I see future conversations in the future. I absolutely. hope so. There's a lot to yeah, talk about. Yeah, absolutely. So let me let me tell you about my books. Please I do. do. Have yeah. Book coming up. So my first book was called Lies My Doctor Told Me, and it's available on a Amazon as a hardback paperback and a Kindle and an Audible for those of you like me who have attention deficit disorder and have to listen while you do something else. <laughs> and then I have another book now called Kicking Ass After 50. I wrote with my friends Zane Griggs. It's available on Amazon as a paperback or as an audible. And then I have a third book. You remember I talked about fasting insulin and triglycerides and all the labs. It's called Common Sense Labs. And it's on Amazon as a Kindle or a paperback. And if you're like, yeah, I know my doctor's not checking the labs I need checked, but I don't know what to ask for. Oh, perfect. Common Sense Labs. It tells you not only what labs to ask for, it also tells you if your doctor says, I'm not checking that. You don't need that. You can say, well, actually, I do. And here's why. There's a chapter in there about why you need those labs. There's also a chapter in there about the ICD-10 codes. If your doctor says, oh, your insurance won't pay for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it will if you'll use the following codes, doctor, because Dr. Barry put it in his book. Then also, not only what's the normal range, what's the optimal range? 
that you want your labs to be in because those are two different things. I'm working on a book right now called A Proper Human Diet. We also have a very large private group. If you go to drberry.com slash community, We've got 7,000 people in there awesome. just like you who had diabetes or fatty liver or whatever. Some people, I, don't, I think eating a proper human diet is easy. I don't need to be part of a group. Some people need that support. They need the support of other people saying, yeah, I had type 2 diabetes. I reversed it. I'll show you. Let me, let's talk. Here's my cell number, you know. And so if people need that community, need that support, we've got a private community. I'm sure Tracy will link to that if, if I send it to her. 100%. But I don't, I think that the average person, if you, like you said, Tracy, just grab some meat, cook it, and eat it. That's, that's it. That's, it. that's carnivore. Easy. But if you need support, we offer that as well. That's fantastic. You are wonderful. Everybody go and subscribe. You're on YouTube, but you're also on Rumble. Also on Rumble and Odyssey, just and in case. Perfect. You're doing the right thing there. Anyone wants to, to lecture you on censorship, it's me. I've been debanked. I've been de debanked. I know, I know. <laughs> so uh, if you need any help with socials and like getting around that, please, by all means, give me a call. Um, Absolutely. I probably will be needing your help in the near future, I anticipate. <laughs> good. Good. That means you're doing something right, Dr. Berry. Nope. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. And make sure you send me the first one of those T-shirts after you have them made, okay? Country boy, common sense. Thank you so much, Tracy. It's been a pleasure. I, let's do this again soon. Absolutely. Please, please. Thanks so much. All right. Bye-bye. So, how many of you are not excited after learning all this stuff? Um, tons of questions in the chat. Just tons of questions. Just to, just to recap for you. Chicken, Will was in the chat, everybody. Will was in the chat and um, he was answering questions. He's so knowledgeable about this. I mean, it's his passion. He has fully embraced this lifestyle and learned so much about it. Chicken is okay, Will says. Definitely thighs, you need the fat on the chicken. Definitely fish, yes. Red meat, yes. Chicken, um, as far as I know, is very limited. In our, like we, we do it in, with limit in our diet. We don't like make that the focus of how we eat. Um, but I have all your questions here and we're going to next interview I have with Dr. Barry, we're going to get more in depth into some of this stuff, specifically like one or two of you were asking about the hormone difference between females and males and all of that. I want to get more in depth to the science for that and the difference between girls and boys other than the obvious. And, um, that's it for today, guys. Thanks for hanging out a little extra. Share this with all your friends who are curious about what carnivore is, how it works, why it works. I want to get everybody starting to think about becoming more healthy in the ways that we can so that we can move ourselves out of the pharmaceutical industry and into wellness. It is so important to me. It is where I focus a lot of my time and my reporting, as you guys know. So um, God bless you all. Have a fantastic weekend. You have been listening to the Dark to Light podcast with Beans. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. Also streaming live to you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time on Rumble X and on Getter. Also, Frank Show, Monday through Friday, 7 p.m., QuiteFrankly.tv and on Rumble. And don't miss a side of beans every Tuesday and Thursday where we move away from politics for the most part and laugh at funny stuff from the internet. God bless all of you guys, and I will see you back here on Monday.